Welcome to the Broken Pie Chart Podcast, episode number 108. 108. Well, I'm your host, Derek Moore, and this week, let's talk a little bit more about this whole uh, rise in rates, inflation worries, and, you know, is the market going to crash because of it? And a lot of people have been asking me, how does the market do during inflationary times? Or how does the market do, you know, more specifically when we see a very big change in, let's say, the rate of the 10-year treasury? And so I, I recently wrote an article. I will link to it in the show notes. And, you know, as I always say, don't bury the, the headline. The markets have done pretty well, even in, in times of rising rate environments. And in fact, on average, I think this goes back to 1962 or so, the markets uh, gain loss, and it's not annualized, but the, the gain of loss averaged about 17%. The median was about plus 15%. And in fact, there's, um, there's roughly, I don't know, one, two, three, four, eight, 12, like 16 or 15 periods. There's only three times uh, in a raising, rising rate environment that markets actually had a, a loss. That's not to say there weren't drawdowns and, and things like that. But I did find this was interesting. And what was really fascinating was if you look at, you know, December of, let's see, December 30th, 1976 through September 30th, 1981, that's just under 58 months. And the change in the 10-year treasury was plus 900 basis points. And so, so what does that mean? That means that, let's use, use an easy example. If the treasury rate was 1% and it changed by 900 basis points or nine full percentage points, it would have to go from 1% to 10%. And... During that period, the S&P gained uh, about 8.7%, um, which is pretty surprising. Now, if we look at, and, and you know, they actually have here on the list, uh, again, I'll, I'll point to the article that I wrote. Uh, this is a grab from uh, Morgan Stanley. I think it put this, it passed around different people on, on the street here. But March 9th of 2020 to... 225 of this year, of 2021, that's 11.8 months, the change in the treasury yield was 100 basis points, one full percentage point. And it went about, you know, six tenths of 1% to about 1.6%. And the S&P in that time is up plus 39%. So, you know, if, if you look like 1971, March of 71, until March, no, uh, September of 1975, that's about 55 months, roughly 320 basis points uh, rise in the yield of the 10-year treasury. And that period had a negative 18.1% on the S&P. Now, there are periods where, you know, and, and it's, it's kind of like the, the 1966 to 82 period is a lost, we'll call it, it's not really a lost decade 
because people didn't lose money, especially after dividends. But from February of 66 until October of 82, if we look at the Dow Jones, excluding any dividends that are paid out, and I, I just I didn't have time to go and, and do the data, include dividends. But cumulatively, if you invested in you know February of 66 to Halloween in 1982, a 0.83% cumulative return. Uh, with dividends, you know, that's going to be better because I'm sure the, the, those stocks are paying, uh, you know, a little bit more in uh, in dividends. I would assume you probably would have gotten at least, you know, 4, 4%, maybe 5% a year back then. Um, so, but then, of course, after inflation comes down, after rates come down, we have probably, and just looking back to 1897, the 82 period to the very end of the year in 1999, it was a, a over a 1,000% cumulative return over 17 years. It was probably the, the greatest bull market anybody's ever seen that 17-year period. That is an amazing return. And remember, that does not include dividends. Uh, those stocks in the Dow Jones typically would have been paying dividends. So it's not to say that falling rates, falling inflation is not good for the market. Certainly, I think you can absolutely point to that rise in the markets and tie it back directly to the Fed, you know, finally, uh, you know, killing inflation. And but I think sometimes this brings up a, a larger point too. I think sometimes, whether it's in finance or politics, a lot of times, you know, people make some assumptions. Uh, we did an episode, uh, myself and uh, Spencer Wright, we we went through some of the historical returns by the party in power, uh, Democrats, Republicans. And we actually looked at the GDP growth on different presidents, the return for different presidents. And one of the things that surprised me, and it surprised uh, Spencer in, in the in, in the podcast as well, was that GDP actually grew in uh, President Carter's term. And all of us sort of remember the 70s was uh, was a lot of malaise, uh, high unemployment, high inflation. And when I pulled that, I had to double check it. But yeah, the GDP actually grew during that period. And the stock market, on average, was up during Jimmy Carter's uh, four-year tenure. Now, if you remember the late 70s, um, you know, you can watch any movie. And uh, for example, Argo has been on uh, TV quite a bit lately. And they've got a scene where Ben Affleck is flying into to LA and he sees the Hollywood sign and it's just kind of in disrepair. So it's not to say that that was, you know, the 70s with rising unemployment, stagflation, uh, rising interest rates, rising inflation was a really, really good economy. But it's just surprising when you look at the numbers. So here's another thing that was sort of surprising about this data. If we go back and we look at, uh, let me pull up some some numbers here. And if we look at, you know, look, we just said the market went up during some of these periods. But what's what's fascinating is 1965 to I guess 85, uh, according to the article I pulled was a period of stagflation. 
And stagflation, what that means is unemployment's high, growth is quote unquote uneven, and you've got rising not only inflation, but interest rates. And so if we look back, you know, remember I said, what's, what's that period that I was really surprised? So 76 to 81. 76 to 81, if we look at in 1976, inflation was 6.5%, 77, 63 7.4, 9.8, 1980 reaches 12.4%, starts to come down 10.4, and then all the way to 85 was 4.3. Now, put that into perspective, we know that uh, in, I think in both Europe and the U.S., I mean, we're hard-pressed to get back to 2% annualized CPI growth, excluding, you know, food and, and fuel. But, um, I mean, th- these are massive numbers. But again, 76 through 82, is that what I told you that period was? Or 81, 81. I mean, th- this is just, uh, these are really big increases. And so it would fly in the face of conventional wisdom the, you could actually have markets do fairly okay during periods of rising rates. Now, one caveat to this too is a lot of times we're in a, you know, they always say this time isn't different. Uh, this time could be different. And this kind of time could be different because we've never been, we've never seen rates this low. We've never come up from a base this low. And we've never increased the money supply this much. I think the M- MZM money supply is up something like close to 30% Feb to Feb 2020 to 21. And that doesn't even include the, you know, the latest stimulus bill that Congress just passed. So this time could be different or this time is never different. And, you know, looking back at uh, we see GDP. GDP was actually pretty uneven. That's why they say the uneven growth. And that 76, uh, 1976, you had GDP growth at 5.4%, 4.6, 5.6, 3.2. And then, uh, you know, 1980 was negative 0.2%. 1982 was, uh, you know, negative 1.9%. So really surprising. You would think that there'd be no GDP growth. And uh, I assume that is uh, uh, real GDP growth. Um, I hope so. And then you look at unemployment. Unemployment was 7.7 and then crested all the way to 9.7. And I could do a whole podcast on how unemployment is calculated. But, you know, if people, um, when they get the call for the survey, if they if they haven't even looked for work or if they've given up looking for work, they, they fall out of the survey. So this is people who are working and people who don't have a job but are have actively looked. And I forget what the, the threshold is. You have to have been actively looking in the past X number of days or weeks. Um, so we had, and so, yeah, I mean, it's, it's really, uh, it's kind of, kind of perplexing actually. Um, especially given the high inflation. So, you know, you look at that though, and I I think there's a couple lessons here. Number one is 
rising rates in themselves aren't necessarily bad. But this time is different is that a lot of times we see a rise in rates and we see rates going up because inflation goes up and, and investors are demanding a higher nominal yield or real yield after inflation, right? Uh, the other time that we see the Fed active in raising rates is when an economy is perceived to be overheating. And so the economy is doing really good and, and the Federal Reserve wants to try and slow it down a little bit. They uh, raise the Fed funds rate. And generally, when you raise the Fed funds rate, the front end of the curve is impacted and that bleeds off to the, the back end of the curve as well. Um, but anyway, I mean, I, I think it's, uh, there's, you know, if you watch CNBC right now, they have guest after guest talk about, you know, watch out, inflation's coming. Uh, watch out, you know, rising rates, uh, stocks can't be valued as high. The discount rate, when you do discounted cash flow analysis, you've got to use an interest rate to discount future cash flows to the present. And so anyone who's ever done that knows that uh, the discount rate, if you increase that, the present value of, of an asset goes down. So it's, it's natural to sort of, you know, come up on TV and, and have people talk about that. But remember, the yield on the 10-year treasury is still only around 1.6, only around 1.6. That is not very high. In fact, that's still lower um, barely, but that's still lower than the inflation rate. And so you're still getting a negative real return, you know, the, the return after inflation, if you were to buy a 10-year treasury. The other thing that's, that's been going up recently is the inflation break-even levels. And that's just a fancy way for saying, let's take the yield on the 10-year treasury and we'll subtract it from the, uh, the yield to maturity, uh, rather, uh, subtracted by the yield to maturity on the TIPS bonds of the same maturity of 10 years. And TIPS, of course, are uh, indexed to inflation. But the Fed has been so active in that market. I think I, I did a podcast recently where I, I mentioned I read they own over 30% of that market right now. So most TIPS bonds have a negative yield to maturity, and they've sort of taken away uh, in some regards, I want to make a, a general statement because uh, the, these actually are a little bit complicated for investors, uh, but they, they've taken away some of the edge by bidding up the prices so much on those. Um, I'm not saying they won't work or they will work, uh, but just before you buy tips bonds, just take a moment to do a little more investigation. And so the natural thing of this gets back to there's, there's always a reason people state to not invest. And they used to call it climbing the wall of worry, meaning the market's been going up and who knows what the market's going to do tomorrow, two weeks from now, three years from now, right? But the market's going up and they say it's climbing the wall of worry, meaning uh, there's all these worries that people have and the market has continued to go higher. So I think the important thing to remember here is that well, there, there's really a couple things, a couple of main points. Uh, number one is markets historically, no guarantee about the, the future, but historically, they've done okay when you have rising interest rate environments. 
And, you know, certainly the 70s and 80s, I think it's, you know, like half the time it was up, half the time it was down when you had these periods of rising inflation. And by the way, just to, to give you an idea of how high rates, if, if you didn't know this already, were in the late 70s, in 1980, you could have bought a 10-year treasury bond. Its coupon was 12.84%. Think about that. You buy a 10-year today, it's 1.6%. And a year ago, it was 0.6%. And so there is, um, if you're holding bonds, especially longer duration bonds, you have to understand the risk because a change in rates higher should uh, cause a change to the downside in the market value of a bond. And the thing you don't have today, uh, let's just use the 10-year, if you were worried in 1980 that rates were going to rise, well, at least you were getting 12.84%. If you're worried rates are going to rise and cause a, a negative impact to the market value of your 10-year treasury holding or a fund that, that's holding that, you're only getting paid 1.6%. And so 1980, uh, from 79 to 80, rates went up 245 basis points or 2.45 whole percentage points. They went from 1039 to 1284. And the total return was negative 2.99. And the reason why it was only 2.99 down was because of that paying out the 12.84% coupon. And so if you strip out the coupon and you do a quick calculation the back of the napkin says you would have lost about 15.83% in market value on that 10-year bond. And so what I would say is we really don't know yet, is this time different? Or is this going to be more of um, how the market historically has acted? I would say if you're holding long-duration bonds, uh, you just want to understand the risk. Like understand what would, what would happen if rates really rose dramatically. And then the other thing I would say is, you know, there's always a reason not to invest, as I alluded to earlier. And part of that can be lessened to a great extent if you're using a hedged strategy. In other words, you don't try and time the market. You don't know what the market's going to do. But you know that if you miss some of the growth on the market and you stay in cash, cash is paying a negative real return. It's paying nothing. Um, and it's paying negative after inflation, then you have, you know, you're going to miss out. And so in my opinion, try to take some of the fear out of this, stay invested, but uh, use a strategy. And we've, we've done multiple podcasts about how we use hedged equity uh, to be able to get into the market, sleep a little better at night and take away the downside. And if what you fear the most happens then at least you have protection. And if the market goes up, great. You capture a, a good amount of that. But it's uh, to me, it's a better alternative than, than sitting in cash because you're watching CNBC and a lot of people are starting to talk about inflation rearing its ugly head again. And as we just looked at, fascinatingly enough, if I can say that, uh, the market, you know, it had periods of growth in even during higher inflation, 
higher unemployment and, uh, you know, that we would call it stagflation. And as I said, I was, when we did that episode, Spencer and I, and we looked at how the market does with Democrats, Republicans, we looked at it, you know, if there's a, a Democratic president, a Republican House, a Demo Democratic Senate, we looked at all those different machinations. And then we looked at the presidents. And most of the time, the presidents had an annualized growth rate that was that was pretty good. Um, but Carter was in office 76 to, uh, when did he leave? I guess he would have left, what, 80? Or was, was uh, did Reagan take over in, in probably January of 81? I, I should have looked, I always say I should look at stuff before I start to, to talk about it, but I know we, we did the podcast on it. But it was just really surprising that positive annualized return. And by the way, th this all points to, guess what? Over time, the markets go up. Historically, we don't know what they're going to do in the next year. Don't know what they're going to do in the next 10 years. But historically speaking, the markets have offered a you know, pretty decent uh, annualized growth rate. Um, where the nuance comes in is where you are in your cycle. You know, you, you emerging investor, you accumulating are you trying to maximize the base of assets in you know the, the five or ten years before retirement, or are you in retirement? These are all very different discussions. Uh, but I would say, try not to worry, be hedged, and uh, you know when you hear stuff, people talking about what's going to affect the market, just cover the, you know, cover the names up, or just look at the data, and I think that will lend you to uh, some interesting conclusions. All right, folks. With that, we're going to call it good. Uh, please remember to, uh, I mean, if you want to rate and review and five-star and all that, but please share this with someone who you might think uh, might be interested, and especially those who haven't kind of caught on to what podcasts are yet. Uh, so please do that and appreciate the uh, uh, messages and notes people uh, send in with comments about the show. And also, remember, if you have an idea for an episode, uh, even a guest. And uh, we'll, we'll take a look at that. A lot of these episodes are born out of listener questions or just questions I'm hearing in general. So, all right, talk to you next week. Bye.